Cradeline Network. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 240th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast to America trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for May and June 1991, Prague 732 to 735. This time... Mean Machine travels through time. Friday makes some new friends. Sam Slade closes his case as Tanner and Indigo Prime start new ones. And a friend, an old friend returns in Judge Dredd. Man, feels like just yesterday that we were talking about these comic books. Listen. Okay, Fox. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta talk about the elephant. Well, first, I want to say if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics oh. we're covering today in Judge Dredd: The Complete Case Files, fifteen Indigo Prime Killing Time, the Judge Dredd Magazine, number two ninety eight. But yeah, listen, we gotta address the uh, the elephant in the room here, Fox. Ugh, which is there's an elephant. I hate those guys. Yeah, me too. You know why? Because we at we previously uh, this is. A rare time where the episode that we first, the first, that this is the second time we're doing episode two, uh, 240 because Ooh. the first one had some audio problems and so we just had to toss it out. Because somebody didn't have their audio file. Not naming I mean, names. Yeah, you would. It was would. me. It was definitely <laughs> me. <laughs> I mean, you know, seems like the classy thing would just be to say that mistakes were made and move on. That's my oh, no, plan. No, but I but I like to own my mistakes. I am I am I live in my mistakes. I revel in my mistakes. Whoa, not me, because I'd be spending too much time reveling. <laughs> or not? Well, I mean, it's not that you would know, because Conrad, as we all know, famously. Y'all don't make mistakes. I mean, I never apologize, but I do make mistakes, Fox. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't acknowledge them, and I move on. That's all. That's fair. Bury them where you found them, which is nowhere because they didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna walk around saying you did something wrong like a freak. No, no way. I'm going to say I did something wrong and I totally stole from that baby and who the fuck like said it was their lollipop in the first place. I mean, that's just good business sense, Fox. But Thank yeah, you. so, so we're doing this a second time. And, you know, that just means that we're sort of it means that um, I, I think the big difference is just that it means that that like Fox is sort of coming in, sort of knowing where things go. <laughs> it's surprise. Different where it comes, but I think might also give us some interesting perspectives. Um, you know, uh, like at this, like uh, you know, go like starting in to go prime, knowing oh, yeah. where killing time will go, for instance, or things like that. Or even, um, I think actually below zero might be helpful with a re. I, I think it's going to change just because there's some clues in there in this early stage that you don't <laughs> I, I know. I think are it's going to change yet. an answer potentially, but it's not going to change another one. If that makes any sense, yeah. <laughs> Also, I've learned some new knowledge about at least one of these thrills that I'd like to yell about um, as we get through the episode. But before we do that, Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> let's talk about Thrill One, Judge Dredd. 
Oh man. It's so sweet coming back. I really I really will say like I love these uh I love these Irish judges. It, it immediately dawned on me because I didn't recognize the first part. They don't put visors over their face because they want you to see their eyes. Yeah, yeah. I it's like the taxonomy of the international helmets of judges is very interesting, mm. you know. Yeah, absolutely. Cuz like you've got cuz like both these um, Emerald Isle judges are way more low key, like the uh, like the Oz judges. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. Oz judges have visors, but have hats instead of helmets. And emeralds and and Emerald Isle judges are visorless, but also more helmeted. Visorless, like beautiful boys. Meanwhile, a little bit further north on in Calhab, they have kilts, but that's for another day. Oh. Oh, wait, like on their head or? No, like they wear them on the usual kilt areas, I suppose. <laughs> is that, I got shot in the lap? Is that like the, just the kilt area is like I between, so. uh, between the knees and the lap? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, hips hips to knee, hip to knee or so. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so, I, I, uh, script ro- uh, so Judge Dredd, script robot Garth Ennis, art robots, Steve Dillon and Wendy Simpson and Carlos Escara, letting robot Tom Frame. Oh, well, that's okay, my boy. Okay, Yeah. Okay. In the country of Emerald Isle, Judge Judges Dredd and Joyce are nearing apprehension of expat mob blitzer Bonnie Staples. He's who- a real dick. Yeah, real asshole allied with the terrorist group, the <laughs> Sons of Aaron. <laughs> and he's about to make a a uh, real interesting uh, the rice pun inserted here. Indeed, yeah. So he's holed up in a spuditorium, a, a potato factory, I guess. So the judges roll out, though on the way, Dread rolls over the 15 blades of grass and single shrub named Kevin that make up St. <sighs> Stephen's Green as they go, which is a big... That's right. I guess Dublin landmark or something. At the Spuditorium, Staples is taking hostages when he learns the sad truth that the last potato died in 2052. So now in Emerald Isle, they import rice from Hondo and form them into potatoes. Man, makes you think. Oh, go for it. No, I'm just saying it makes you think just generally. (laughs) Oh, I mean, then he uh, then he sticks it to this guy like white on rice. The judges arrive and swiftly get the drop on Staples, but as a mob blitzer, we know from previous times, he's got a bomb hardwired into his body that makes him explode if he surrenders. So he's he's about to do so and blow Judge Joyce away, so Dredd instead opens fire, his bullets knocking Staples into the rice grinder below. Along with that rice, Staples is in fact... Uh, formed into a series of Airsats potatoes. Dread finds one with an eye in it. A Ooh. human eye. Whoa. Whoa. Get it? Oh. Like the eye of potato, but it's a human eyeball. Yeah. The day is saved, though tourism has been greatly hurt by the recent violence, which was, in fact, <laughs> the Sons of Aaron's entire goal. Dread's headed back to Mega City One, which is also violent, but at least there's no potatoes. And also these weird singing fish things. Yeah, they, they sing a version of Molly Malone. That's about that's about dread. <laughs> like the fortieth time Molly Malone's come up in all of this. It's a fun song to parody, Fox. <laughs> Listen, I, I guess I wouldn't know, but also clearly. He once lived in Germany, but now he's Cambridge. <laughs> 
Wow. And that's where he lives with his cat in his home. Oh, <laughs> it's sweet Foxy Malone. Yeah, a fox, a foxo. Okay, so new story, Fox. Ooh. Return of oh, the King, right. it's called. We're going to resurrect this new story. Go to hell, buddy. <laughs> I was gonna. I was. I was trying to work on a Lord of the Rings pun, and you've just. Oh. You've just. You just cut right to the chase. All right. Listen. <laughs> Garth Ennis is writing. Carlos Escara back on drawing. Um, a body wakes and pulls itself out of the ground, digging their way from one of those necropolis mass graves, dreaming of forgiveness for the deaths of sixty million people. This dead king is back alive and sets oh. off for his throne. Um, meanwhile, like the their, top. Their, I like that their grave is just this really massive, uh, you know, kind of Holy Spirit and crucifix. Yeah. A, well, but they they had to add the uh, the the Judge Eagle in shield onto the very top. Of, of course. Well, well, you remember we saw one of these be dedicated a couple months ago, mm-hmm. Judge Magruder, where they just you know bulldozed a bunch of bodies and stuff yeah. into the well, ground. And she here. was like, "Can we get this on with or whatever?" Well, I mean, that was like number sixty of like who knows yeah. how many, you know. That's a lot but, of a lot of dead bodies. I will say also not the first time we've seen a corpse dig their way out of one of these mass graves <laughs> over in the magazine. Listen, um, over in the magazine, it turns out that Judge Death spent some time hiding out in a in an Acropolis mass grave as well, <laughs> doing some spooky ghost shit. Absolutely. Meanwhile, at the Tom Sharp block, the novelist that wrote the Wilt novels, um, the Lousco has been taken over by some armed raiders. A reporter's on the scene, but they <laughs> get told right. off by Judge Spencer. Yeah, like a Tesco, you see. Um, he gets told off by a Judge Spencer as Dredd sneaks his way into the place, takes out some perps, observes that all the hostages are dead, and confronts the other ones. But be- um, before the fight, though, we see this figure from the grave making its way into his palace as Ch- Chief Judge Magruder is awoken by an intruder alarm. And man, like, how did he get there? How did this thing get past all these guards? This is the chief judge. Yeah. She goes to investigate when and finds someone sitting on her judicial throne. Someone shocking. Dredge wrapping up. Yeah. Dredge wrapping up the Lousco case when he gets a call and heads to the Grand Hall of Justice. There he too sees the figure on the throne. It's the zombie-ass remains of Chief Judge Silver! Whoa, he's real gross and zombish. And I yeah. like that his, uh, even his eagle is wilting. Definitely, yeah. Listen, he's had some, had some problem. I will say, going into this next uh, section, Fox, trigger warning for suicide, next five minutes or so, <sighs> right. just FYI. Yeah. So Judge Silver's back. Clearly an undead zombie kind of guy. The judges talk amongst themselves and Dredd asks, basically just goes and asks over what his deal is, essentially. Um, <laughs> and like with with his uh, with his foot like hoisted a little bit in a straight leg, just like, all right, buddy, what's your zombie ass deal? Yeah. Former Chief Judge Silver, your deal. What is it? Um, we've seen a little bit of Silver at Necropolis when he was hounded to death in video footage from yep. the Theater of Death story in Prague 700. Apparently not too false. Yeah, well, this time we see more of it as the dark judges, including Kraken, assaulted Justice Headquarters. Hershey held the judges off. Not clear how she survived that, but she probably just got taken over, basically. While Silver fled, once he was away, he tried to take his own life. But in a move that will become a bit of a signature for Garth Ennis, um, 
Shooting himself in the head doesn't quite kill him. Instead, the bullet kind of bounced around his skull, essentially. So he I mean, like, it, you know. It, it, and I, I mentioned this last time, I believe. I will say that everyone was like, get this, like, chief judge the fuck out of here, right? So he wasn't he wasn't running, like, out of cowardice. They're like, no, we need the chief judge. Yeah, it's a continuity of government thing. You kind of, you want to, when the, when the seat of government is threatened, you know, you need to protect the head of state. So anyway, Fox. Um, yeah, so J- Judge Silver's made a proper arse face of himself. Um, we see a bit of a replay of the theater of death stuff, Silver standing up to judge death, but as the dark, but then the dark judge has an idea, he kills Silver and then brings him back as a puppet using dead fluids and stuff like that. Yeah, um, God, my least favorite, ta- well, fourth bottom, least favorite fluid. Yeah, bottom five fluid. Um, yeah, I'd Silver, say bottom five fluid. Yeah, Silver becomes a tortured plaything of the dark judges. They sort of pass Gross. him around, doing Gross. various weird tortures to him. Not cool. Gross. Eventually, word came of Dred's return, and Silver hoped for the future. And now he's back. And since he never resigned, that means he's still chief judge. Magruder does not look pleased. Man, so is this like a weekend at Bernie's? If Bernie. We're able to, I guess, just assume the throne of yeah, a dictator well, government. I mean, that's probably actually how we got in past all the security and stuff was that they just never um, – <gasps> they never turned off his, like, thumbprints and eye scans and stuff. <sighs> See, this is – You know, you can't dead. do that kind of oversight. You got to clear people out of the system, number one. Number two, I want – I would love to see a fan movie – which is just my weekend at Bernie's, but him getting into the entire place and being animated by a, a series of like ropes and pulleys to try and convince all the judges he's still alive, because those other judges behind him that are doing it have to convince them that there's that he's still alive for a reason. Yeah, seems reasonable. I, I'd watch that. I don't know. I, I like would. the I, I like, like the weekend, weekend at Bernie's. Bernie's concept. Yeah, I like it when they like bewitched him and he was dancing at the bottom of the sea. Oh yeah, that second one had like voodoo and stuff. In yeah, it. it was awesome. No one remembers number two, and it's the best one. I feel like because after about a weekend, the idea of a body still being like movable, like a voodoo. doll, instead of like breaking into pieces and being really disgusting. Yeah, like but, you know, Burt Reynolds ain't gonna do that. That Bernie isn't Burt Reynolds, bro. He just looks I, like him. Yeah, I know. He's got a mustache, you know? <laughs> Everybody who has a mustache is Burt Reynolds. That's a fact. Anyway. They can, they can at least try to be Burt Reynolds. It is within That's why them. I have a mustache right now, Conrad. You haven't seen it. It's a very glorious mustache. I would like to. Uh, Magruder's quick to mention that goddamn zombies can't be chief judges. But, of course, Silver takes the Francis the field goal kicking mule stance, which is oh, that. Oh, yeah. He doesn't didn't say, say that a dog can't, can't play be judges. Yeah. And it's not like he ever resigned. And Dredd agrees. He's but, like, yeah, no, there's nothing against it, but yeah, but Magruder and Hershey don't. But Silver has says he's always followed Dred's judgment, which is great because Dred's got some questions. That's called entrapment, and that is a okay in the judicial system. <laughs> I of mean, this world. it's less entrapment than just sort of like no entrapment the- is a in this world. I imagine entrapment is a completely legal means. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think one. I don't think entrapment in any way is a um, is a legal qualifier in the world of Judge Dredd. But also, I think I this mean, is more to sort of like what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Here, you know, you say <laughs> you follow Dredd's judgment when it lets you be chief judge. It means you've also got to follow it when this starts happening. Yeah, when I set your ass. Well, okay, when I set your yeah. ass on fire. So basically, what did what did Silver do once Dread was defeated? Once Death was defeated? Answer: He hid, especially after he saw what happened with Kraken. What with his mm. heart getting blown out by Dread and his body burned to ash. Hey, buddy. Silver escaped and hid in one of the mass graves, presumably a different one than Judge Death hid in. And that's all Dread needs to hear. Silver can never be Chief Judge. His first strike was distrusting Dredd and giving Kraken a badge which set up Necropolis in the first place. I mean, and you know, ad- three-strike policy, right? Yeah, and just various actions add up afterwards that show him to be entirely cowardly and unfit. You should have died fighting the damn dark judges, you asshole. That's what judges do. Which is a weird thing for the dude who headed up applied violence, you know? Yeah, well, you know, obviously his time... On the throne made him become soft and weak, buddy. Soft. So, like, okay, so this is the thing. Had he not done all these things, and again, Judge Magruder, real happy about that. But we could have a zombie judge, chief judge, if, if he had not done that. And that's yeah, also maybe pretty if, cool. Yeah, and if they'd retained a zombie chief judge, who knows what that, what kind of bargaining power that could have gotten him in events that might be happening soon, Fox. But what? let's not worry about that. Well, um, what? Whoa, whoa. Oh, I'm so excited. What does that mean? For his dereliction of duty in the face of the enemy, Dredd sentences Judge Thomas Silver to summary execution. The former judge pleads with Joe, but there is no <laughs> oh, mercy within Judge Dredd. That's the worst thing you could do. He sets his lawgiver to incendiary. That's two chief judges that Dredd's killed personally, <laughs> and Magruder is firmly back on top. I mean, you know, it's funny. No one's really upset that he's killed all those chief judges. <laughs> it made sense at the time. You know, I mean, he killed... It made sense every single time, I guess. He killed Zombie Cow. He killed Judge uh, Griffin after he'd been brainwashed by the Sobs. Oh, God, that's right. And let's not forget that he, while he didn't kill Judge Cow, he was instrumental in setting up the situations that allowed Fergie to kill Judge Cow. So he was I certainly mean, complicit in that as well. May you rest in peace, you stinky bastard. Yeah, Fergie, that is. Judge yeah. Cal, you, you're you're fine. Oh, um, no, that guy can get eaten by a thousand crocolisks or whatever they Yeah, were. exactly. Um, so Magruder's back on top. Dredd um, is back on patrol as robo-janitors sweep up the ashes of Silver. And it seems that the Great Hall of Justice might be slightly haunted by him, but not enough to notice on top of all the other various things that are probably haunting <laughs> I mean, I the, imagine uh, that there Hall. are so many hauntings that happen in multiple justice uh departments you know what i mean so the end oh man exciting times yeah i have no idea where this could possibly be going and i am very excited for the future without any sort of foresight i mean i would say this is the final um this is sort of the last the the final chapter of 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 necropolis here yes yeah, I yeah. think that's now kind of the, that's kind of the epilogue, as it were, right? Yeah, I believe now we're going to mostly be having just like some one-offs and things like that until we <laughs> get to um, the elect until 
we get to the referendum on whether um, the judges oh, should stay in power. And and this is this is somewhat dating me, but we still haven't gotten there, and I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we're recording this in our new episodes, we're right on the eve <sighs> of that referendum. Very exciting. I'm so excited! Yeah. Speaking of uh, things I'm less excited about, think uh, of things that where I just can hide it, Fox. I mean, I would hide it. It's not something I would show in public. Yeah, let's talk about Thrill 2, Rogue Trooper. How many guns can one man hold? How many bullets can they fire? I mean, it really depends on what era you're in, you know, because like back in the Doom days, you could carry like eight guns. But then, like, Halo came along, and it was like, two guns only. <sighs> Boring. This man has guns on guns. What I love is that, like, it's the it's the size of the shells that pop out of the gun. Mm-hmm. You know? You know how yeah. big that gun is. Definitely. So, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Simon Colby, and Gina Hart, lettering robot Alita Fell. Friday, the new rogue trooper has a second huge gun to go with his regular big gun. <laughs> but there's also a giant murder fish trying to eat him on the frozen coast of Alaska. That will not matter soon. No, sorry, not Alaska. The frozen coast of Africa. One of those. That's, one of these a, a oh, that's places. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a tremors situation as done in Africa, which is actually kind of more Antarctic now. Yeah, it's a tremors five. I want to oh, say. Oh God, really? That one wasn't – well, I guess it's a Tremors 5 and a Tremors 6, Fox, because – I have not seen either of those, which is – Because Tremors – It's damning because I do love me some Tremors films. Because Tremors 5, I, I, I'm pretty sure, was the one – was in Africa, oh. Tremors oh Bloodlines. And then, Tremors 6 is called A Cold Day in Hell. Yeah, and then Tremors 6, A Cold Day in Hell. But I'll tell you something, Fox. This is my oh, theory that I've not checked out. But that I think with Cold Day in Hell, they use just the same locations that they filmed the one in Africa with, but then applied a filter on it to make the ground look like oh. white and frozen, basically. Because there are a lot of a lot of similarities between the tundra of the art of the frozen wastes in that movie oh, and just sort of the African scrubland in the in the movie before that one. So listen, listen. If you've got extra footage, you know you need to use it. Yeah, come on. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Friday leaps into the beast's oh, so mouse mouth and blows its head out from the inside. Good times. This sort of the Guardians of the Galaxy, has, basically. Is, I, I recall us talking about this before, but like Gore. Gore got upscaled, man. Definitely. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so later at a tech building, a bio tracer goes off and a Dr. Claw type is informed that the GI is approaching the Tanzanian ice flow. He tells his goons to go kill Friday. Meanwhile, the man himself is walking through the frozen waste. He's not used to this kind of terrain and almost falls into a huge crevasse. Ah, uh, not a crevasse. But, yeah, he tries you know, to escape with a grappling like hook. crevasses curves. Definitely, yeah. Crevasses make the rock and roll go round, buddy. Um, he tries to escape with a grappling hook, but it's no good. But instead, he's caught by a sweet pink hover beam. <laughs> About the weird vacuum beam. Yeah, a bunch of dudes have saved Friday. And while the GI is thankful, the goons admit that he is about to die. <laughs> It's time for me to kick the ass out of what will be my future friends. 
Yeah, definitely. The soldiers take Friday's weapon but don't know that his gun is remote controlled via a wrist dealie. It butter butters all, all, all over, allowing Friday to get free and start taking dudes out. Never take a giant muscular blue man's gun. It's probably psychically controlled. I mean, or at least, yeah, or at least take his take his watch off. Also, um, <laughs> can see how many he, steps he's got. Yeah, Friday escapes into the tundra, and the goons pursue him on on sweet snowmobiles. Friday cannot run them in his terrain, and as we cut to the evil base, this is EB two. Oh, that's a right. Bo- a body in a glass tube is loaded into a wall <laughs> and ejected into a strange landscape where he lives for a moment, then turns green and dies terribly. Gee, when- we we won't. Why are all these gills not working? Go get work better, scientists. God, you gotta <sighs> slam your fist into your open palm and of course. just be like, "Oh gosh, darn it! I really wish these G dang uh, implants that we genetically modified people into would work, so that we can do our sales things." That's right. All comes back to money, buddy. <sighs> Man. So anyway, um, meanwhile, the goons are gating on Friday as the GI drops canisters that explode. They're thermite bombs. The goons decide it's time to bail on catching Friday. It's not worth it. So they start to grappling hook up a nearby (laughs) ice wall. But then a bunch of crazy metal birds show up and start to attack. We should have figured he was a domer from the start. Oh, God, it's because he's blue and we're weird. He's blue and we're human colored. Um, Oh, that's fair. (laughs) The birds are attacking the goons and Friday is driven by a humanitarian need to help others. So he shoots these death hawks away. Yeah, I mean, no. He he does a he does a pulse thing on them. Yeah, they really don't have a good time. They explode. Yeah, and it they, works. Uh, they still grapple hook up the cliffs. So. Yeah, it works, and the goons befriend him. They pull up their sweet snowmobiles and drop exposition on Friday. Right after the last war ended, some strange vehicles arrived on the ice and quickly built a big old base with a weird dome in the middle. From there, a bunch of strange wildlife started growing, and the air around it has become yeah. unbreathable. And there's heavily armed soldiers in there as well as you expect. Plus, gee, I wonder some- if that's a good thing. Yeah, there's also some weird, like, metal zoic adjacent killer monsters, killer robot beasts as yeah, well. Yeah, they, they have normal teeth, but metal body. Don't like it. The goo- So these goons have to keep moving to avoid the domers, though it seems like the <clears throat> domers can, in fact, hone in on Friday, though they aren't aware of that yet. Meanwhile, this Dr. Claw guy is talking to his boss, who's some sort of evil corporate guy, sort of an emperor. <sighs> doctor, oh, boy. Uh, an emperor claw here, a serpentor to his um, Destro. Oh, but yeah, but Destro. Well, yes. So I guess sorry, I'm the, not, the concept. But I'm saying you know. that in terms of rank, not in terms of levels of awesomeness. Man, Fox, you know, Destro was I an arms dealer. He you didn't wouldn't... work for a serpentine organization. He just sold them weapons. I mean, maybe in the early days, buddy. So you, but... you're actually quite close because, you know, that's what they're doing. Yeah, fair enough. I don't want to get into the politics. I, I don't want to get into, oh, do into, you want to get into the Joe, politics Fox. of G.I. Joe. Yeah, deep cut. <laughs> Not in this. T- uh, <laughs> I, 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 I want to clarify that by saying I don't want to get into the t- politics of G.I. Joe in this podcast. Oh. Uh, some other time. Oh, my God. Anyway, 
They got to take out Friday right away, but after he hangs up, he learns Friday's still out there, so they got to get him, so mobilize the troops. Yeah, hey, why not? Yeah, Friday's heading out. So Sorry, so Friday and these goons are heading out in their sweet G.I. Joe vehicles. What even Slamming. says Dr. One says Dr. Jeep on the front, which is pretty funny. With two but then they're under attack. Points. But it's impossible. How could they find us? Friday takes out one tank by shooting a, a magnet bomb at it, I guess. But they got to <laughs> hey, run. Why are all bombs magnet bombs in that Seriously. <laughs> and so uh, one of the goons holds up the baddies with a pretty cool freeze gun. Back at the dome, Dr. Claw, who we see the face of, and he's got multiple piercings on his right ear and some kind of metal jaw. We'll later learn, learn he's an alien of some kind. I mean, he's, you know, it's a hearing aid. Let's not be... I don't know. Something but he's new. frustrated at Friday's survival. The baddies are close, but our buddies have tools. They use a seismic generator to crack the ice and take out most of the Domer troops, except for a precarious ice bridge, which the rest of the forces are crossing. <laughs> they plan to blow up that ice bridge when the tanks get to a certain p- spot. But once they get there, the bombs don't explode. Oh, oh no, geez. what's happening? And there's a lemon rust just like bearing down on them. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Yeah, baby. That's right. I know you. Got some 40K knowledge here. That's yes. what I like. The MBT of the Imperial Forces, my friend. Main battle tank. So beautiful. Anyway, next time on Rogue Trooper, firefight. It's fine explosions, intrigue, etc. going on in uh, Rogue Trooper. But let's continue on with some more uh, timely adventures, Fox. Continue on and get a bit headstrong. Let's talk about Thrill 3 Mean Machine. Yeah! We're setting this one all the way up to Bach, baby. Yeah, buddy. Script robot John Wagner, art robot Richard Dole, and then robot Annie Parkhouse. Immortal head-butting cyborg crook <laughs> mean machine angel. Yeah, he's immortal. He is. Has been hypnotized to revert to his younger, more innocent self, so it's pretty cool. But sadly, he's now witnessed the oscillations of a new Explorer-class time <laughs> machine, and it's caused him to revert to normal. Full oh, normal. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Yeah, as the scientist in charge of the time machine exits his lab, or or exits his lab assistant is sure that means been wussified and tries uh, to prove it by button him with a tiny tap. Never, and it's such a ho- never do that to a literal sociopath. Yeah. Regardless, it's such a terrible butt that it brings a tear to means eye. It's so and- it's so sad. It's such a horrible butt. Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice the tear. Yeah, he's so angry about it that he butts the assistant, who looks a bit like Kenneth Williams from Carry On, into the stratosphere. And it's I now mean, that the doctor where he that belongs. Hi- exactly. It's now the doctor who hypnotized Mean and the school's dean, who both look extremely like Larry and Curly from the streets. Three Stooges, respectively, arrive. Now, which shrink- dean? Dean Martin? Dean Sheen? Yeah. Who are dean yeah. you talking about? The, the shrink tries to rehypnotize Mean, but the mad d- Bocker won't give him the chance. He takes the shrink, the dean, and the guy who developed the time machine who looks like Moe hostage, and they all jump into the time machine, which looks like the Apollo Lunar Lander, and warp into the past. <sighs> they just do uh, – uh, it's just a jump to the left. It's just a step to the right, etc. In the words Put of Hugh Lewis hips. in the news, Fox, they got to go Bach in time. Oh, <laughs> 
Now okay. I, I want to do a version okay. of, of, a, of the video from Gotta Go Back in Time. But just every time they say back, you instead cut to someone headbutting someone. I mean, we can also solid. do like, you could also do like, uh, you know, the hit song, Soul to Soul. Bach to life, back to reality. I think we just had that song on the show, actually, as I recall. Oh, but that's anyway. so great. Meanwhile. Um, it seems like I like I was wrong. Actually, he's just traveling with Mo and Curly, but that doesn't matter. Either way, Me Machines loosen time. Their first stop is so to the Neolithic good. Age, where Meat Mean be- meets a bunch of cavemen, where he teaches them to smash. He's far friendlier <laughs> to the cavemen than the Indigo Prime team will be in Bro. an episode or two. Fox, I'm just uh, saying. Yeah, that's true. But also, you know, Bach respects Bach. That's right. Next they had real to cowboys real. Yeah, next time next they had to to cowboy times and say howdy to some Native Americans. They stopped briefly to meet some present day yuppies in their reliant Robin and Snoopy sweatshirts before oh, yeah. me decides to peace out ASAP. He needs a place to lie low, and it's the perfect idea. The scientists twigged this right away, warned mean about going to his own past, but he ain't listening to that as you'd expect him not to. And on the outskirts of Texas City, a strange craft appears on the edge of the Angel Gang's farm. Oh, snap! It's a family reunion! They prepare to attack and loot the machine. Everyone's pretty stoked, especially a young, still-too-armed, mean machine. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. The Angels arrive at the time machine, and future mean comes rolling out. To meet his family. And I should say around this point, uh, Richard Dolan's drawing means like human arm, which has been blown off as having this long, being this long, floppy, like vestigial arm, which is kind of gross when I think about it too much, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> oh. The two means lock eyes and young mean knows exactly what to do and goes to four. Uh, sorry, he fours old mean right into a nearby barn. But old mean has had enough. He comes storming out, insults his younger self's budding technique. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And then box him so hard, he goes flying into the sky, rips through the page of the comic, oh. and goes flying onto the next page. It's pretty great. So good. I love so and and still. Part of why this is so great. It it like it was hilarious. It was being dumb and, and cute, and then they just got meta about it, and I'm I'm so into it. Yeah, just some incidental. Well, I guess this is actually like third wall breaking because he's going yeah <laughs> through the background of the set. I guess he's not talking to us. He's just Mel Brooksing. Like, yeah, they just kind of know two the quarters. Yeah, they, or, they uh, just kind of know uh, slightly know it's a comic, basically. Yeah, I mean they seem all right about it. Well, yeah. I mean, one of them. It's pretty great. Um, so the boys capture the scientists hiding in the time machine, and everybody just starts hanging out in the past. Mean hey. tries to explain the family's future to his dad and bros, and they I don't, don't understand how he's back nah, from the man. dead and stuff. I mean, listen, that's a whole bunch of hooting and hollering. We're going to get drunk. We're going to use this time machine. We're going to go to Atlantis, and we are going to steal some stuff. Yeah, yeah, Daddy Angel knows this. With the time machine, they can plunder the whole of time and get to killing. Heck yeah, let's go get some plunder and kill some people. 
Yeah, like they like you said, their first stop is the lost city of Atlantis, but it's underwater. That's boring. We can't leave Ugh, that. God, so much water. You can only steal so much salt water, Conrad. This seems to be like a classic dad vacation idea, though, as Paw Angel admits that, yeah, this wasn't a great plan. That, that was his. Um, there's some <laughs> belly aching from the kids. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've, I've, I've had to go on a big hike to an underwhelming waterfall with my dad once or twice, you know? Well, yeah. That's just sort of the nature of being a dad these rotten kids don't understand the importance of things basically my dad thought an entire summer was us carrying cinder blocks up a hill so that he could build a retaining wall and that was fun Ah, see we we got different levels of dad here i think (laughs) you you, you've bested me um god (laughs) but so um the scientists try to plan out how they can survive all this and get the time machine back to the present. They get caught scheming, and Judy's pretty insistent that he wants to kill one of these guys. And in the end, Paul relents and lets him tells him to kill the shrink. But then hey. Old Mean steps in. No one kills my shrink but me. <laughs> There's bickering. I like that there's ownership on the murder. Yeah. Pa, um, there's some bickering until Pa suggests a solemnic solution that we cut the shrink in half and you can each kill your respective parts. But the shrink has a plan. Um, kill me and I won't tell you what the pilot told me. Oh, no. Ooh, gosh. Well, gee, what does the pilot have to say about anything? Guess we're going to have to get him out of this fucking pilot. (laughs) There's some threats back and forth. And in the end, the shrink... Prepares to spill the beans. Meanwhile, back in the present, the time machine rematerializes in Mega City One. We <sighs> learned the shrink told the angels that there's gear in the university that lets them track the time machine. They'll have to go back to the present and destroy it. So here we are. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> and just kicking open the door, jumping out and shooting things already. <laughs> the angel gag is back, and they're real, real ornery. It's Next weird. time, Fox. Time and a half. I so you know what? You could be a real asshole and be like, well, why don't they fucking remember from uh the rest of the time that we saw them uh before this that they don't remember they went to the future? I'm like, man I mean that hasn't happened yet. But I will say I'm just saying, like, does someone need to look into the camera and be like, don't worry about it? It's called don't worry about it. The Angel Gang don't care. They don't think that far ahead. They they addressed it pretty pretty well, I feel like. All these all these concerns about why the Angel Gang didn't remember this happening during the Judge Child saga. (laughs) Is addressed next episode yeah, for the no, record. No, I, I know. But it's, you know, I, I love that it... <sighs> part of me wishes that it wasn't... I love this. Yeah, it's just <sighs> real fun country bumpkin antics. And, well, it, um, and, and I mean, we'll get to it, but it's just like, you know, this is this is like the fun... This is the fun water slide of, of the comic right now. Like, you're just like, <laughs> hey, I'm having so much fun. Oh, look, that guy got pocked. Oh, look, that guy got shot. Oh look like we're gonna we're gonna like potentially murder another crewmate instead of this shrink. It's it's just so much fun, Conrad. So much Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm 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 really enjoying the story as well. Definitely. Things I've let I enjoy a little bit less though, my friend. <sighs> oh oh yeah. Non thrills covers and nerve center. Oh boy. Prague. 7.32, Sam cops it. Jose Casanovas draws the cyborg cop, tossing Sam across the room I, in the nerve I do center. like Casanova's art. I mean, yeah, I've no, said this so much, but I do love me some Casanovas. He's definitely really great. 
Um, in the nerve center, Tharg welcomes new readers and explains the mystery of, of thrill power as Igroid plugs the Judge Dread mega special. Mentions that um, what was going on 10 years ago in the Prague, which is Prague 213, and apparently a 2000 AD annual is used in a catalog ad for a duck lamp of some kind. I don't – what? A lamp that looks like a duck and it's – in the catalog, it's reflecting pages of a 2000 AD annual. If it lights like a duck and necks like a duck? Untitled Duck Lamp. The prog ends with a very <gasps> yellow input page <laughs> with pictures of a very mean Judge Harvey Rotten and a rock-headed Judge Stony Face with a tiny shoulder hooligan standing on there. Letters complement the Emerald Isles story, which started as a daily dread story, apparently. There's complaints about complainers. They give some absence facts. <laughs> Call Tharg out for laughing, which he said he never does in Prague, seven thir- in Prague 336. And asks what Daudamoto does for a living. Apparently, she's the most famous dancer in the quadrant, not just mm. your standard exotic dancer. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how. Like, I guess do they do they call it out as exotic dancing? I mean, I feel like I feel like I'm using that term nowadays. I don't know if that a term of art existed in 1991, but I yes, will say that Dao is an exotic dancer because she dances with like a um. Like t- like a Thai or Malaysian theme, so it's literally right. an exotic dance of the East. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, the prog ends with a big ad for issue nine of the magazine, which, which we've covered recently. And then we go to prog 733, Frozen Hell. Simon Colby draws Friday in Africa, another yellow nerve center as Thar right. gets nostalgic and plugs the sci-fi special and upcoming yearbooks. As Igroid teases a Judge Dredd movie, it mentions that Dredd is coming to Rock Power Magazines or, or Rock Power Magazine with some stories that will later be reprinted in a magazine as a heavy metal Dredd. Hey. Mid-prog, there's a bits column by Steve May, this time reviewing the UK release of the Sega Mega Drive, or the Genesis, as we call it here in the States. <sighs> it's a beautiful console. Yeah, no mention of blast processing here, though there is a little teaser for Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, that vitally important game, not just for gaming, but the future of this comic, as many creators, as 2018 will share many creators, like both writers and artists, with the Sonic comic. Really? In England. Yes. Oh, wait. Uh, in England, the Sonic comic or like the I Sonic believe, the Hedgehog comic book? I believe the Sonic the Hedgehog comic book, the UK version. Okay. But I don't I know how much overlap there is between that and the, yeah, and the American I, one. Because you just triggered a memory for me because I forgot. So I had a friend when I was growing up in Chico, California, and he was such a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan. He had like all the Sonic comic books. We used to read them. Um, and the they sp- modeled him... One of the Sonic cartoons that came out in the U.S., because there was two of them. One of them had, like, an almost all-white background, but one of them was, like, highly colored and, like, whatever. I would say it's, like, a teen show if it was now. Mm -hmm. They modeled almost all of the characters, like Sally, who was Sonic's girlfriend, off off of that comic book, right? I know there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in those comics, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the bits come also, yeah, also requests for folks to send in tips, cheats, and high scores to the prog, like the bits columns of old. Oh, cool. The input page is a, I don't think that, I don't know that actually happened though, I guess. Stay tuned. Um, the input page is a picture of Judge Carrot, Side Division, telling a rabbit to not even think of it. All um, right. 
There's also a, a hard-writing Easy Tharg, like Easy Writer. Letters ask for more future shocks, complain about representation in an Emerald Isle, compliment the return of Tanner, among other thrills, yeah. and ask how to reintroduce a, fr- a friend to thrill power, and finally ask some hard questions about how that robot cop guy in Robo Hunter thinks he's a robot, and the answer is he's crazy, so don't really worry about it. I mean, yeah, just don't really worry about it, underscored. Yeah. The prog ends with Tharg's Future Shop. You can buy a 2080 mug, oh, that's or right. a thrill binder, or a t-shirt, but not the shirt, because oh. they've sold out. I want anyway, that mug. I want allow that 28 mug. days for delivery. I want that mug so bad. I think there are still. I, I, I'm. I'm sure that there's a 2080 mug. That there are 2080 mugs available. I'm not like. I, I bet if you're willing to not buy official merch, there are a lot of them available out oh, there. Oh sure. I mean, there's <laughs> Etsy everywhere. Yeah. Rock 735, Bach, it's Doolin' Mean Machines. As the oh, rest of yeah. the angels look on, an excellent cover by Richard Dolan. Um, inside, Tharg plugs the pluggables, and Igroid has an interview with one of my favorite artists, Ron Smith. He's 64, yeah. being interviewed here. His favorite band is Iron Maiden. He's a good person. Yeah, good guy. R.I.P. Um, I should say that Igroid is also adding a section to the Nerve Center with brief recaps for each thrill thir- currently in the comic. With occasional plugs for what's coming next ep- next wep- next week in the prog or what's on newsstands and stuff like that. Mm. Mid-prog, there's ads for the Sci-Fi Special and Indigo Prime, which we'll be talking about later this episode. Then there's another mix column, this time featuring Salt and Peppa, which I have heard of for once. Finally, a band I know. <laughs> Salt the and input- Peppa. Yeah, the- yeah, let's talk about sex, baby. The input page has pictures of Judge Death and an offer to do the Rogue Man, which is like... Do the Bart oh, okay. Man, which yeah. came out earlier this year, but about Rogue Trooper. It was mm. the opening music for the sci-fi special this year as well, because I thought oh, that really? was a funny, a Do the Bart Man? Top hit. Yeah, it, it charted in England, you know? So really? why not? Oh, that's yeah. so... I, I mean, I guess I mean, just in, I was too young. In America, too, I think, for the record. I guess I was just too young. I mean, 91, you know, I feel no, like that's that, like that five or six been for like, What was that? 91? I would have been six? Yeah, not not... Not paying attention to the music charts at Six Fox for shame. I know, I know. What kind of capitalist shill am I? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, yeah, you should feel bad. <laughs> definitely, I've been paying attention to that into the industry since I was a baby. One letter Beautiful. asks for help finding someone called Robin Ansel, who okay. might now be an IT manager at the University of Cambridge, Fox. So I feel like you should continue this quest. Um, uh, know- yep. <laughs> Another wonders why Tharg and Bix Barton have similar goatees. And two letters request more ABC Warriors, which are coming in September. ABC Warriors! The back cover is an ad for the new Games X magazine. And hilariously, the cover they use in this ad is the same one that they have in the magazine's tiny Wikipedia page. It was a weekly magazine about video games. And the editor of it has gone on record saying that this magazine was a big mistake that cost him a fortune. (laughs) I remember you say, I mean, uh, wow, I'm very, that's an interesting thing you said. Finding that out led me down a path of this website that was just about preserving some record of oh, a bunch of like God, defunct I 90s magazines. That. Yeah. It's a crazy Someone's thing. Someone's got to do the archival work, man. Yeah. All we these magazines. have like a whole lost 
uh, yeah, they, media, you know? They existed, but unless hobbyists, like, look into it, there's just no record of them because they just sort of, you know, there's no, like, archive of old-ass magazines or anything unless you yourself want to make it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, support your archivists. It's important. Yeah. Is that a weird thing to say? I feel like I no, said something No, sorry. Weird. I think you said the right thing. I just took a drink. Okay. <laughs> I definitely agree. But speaking of things maybe better better forgotten, Fox. Oh. Yeah. Thrill 4, Robo Hunter. Remember when two Sylvester Stallones fought each other in a Terminator film? Neither do I. I guess that would be in the, like, in the, uh, in the world of, like, Last Action Hero or something like that, where Stallone is the Terminator. Oh, well, oh, well I was going to say, it's where Stallone fights his own brother. Frank Stallone isn't a big enough star to be in a movie yeah, with Sylvester like, Stallone, that's buddy. Yeah, but, like, that's the only way you could do it unless you wanted to fucking do... No, no, nah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. It no, felt he... bad coming out of my mouth. I mean, I guess if as long as Frank Stallone didn't bring his his complimentary rope to make him look like an action hero, that's fine. <laughs> Frank Stallone, uh, script robot Mark <laughs> Miller, art robot Jose Casanova, slang robot Tom Frame, Sam Slade, pro Robo Hunter, is in trouble. He's at the mercy of a cyborg like Terminator kind of cop. I believe yeah. I identified him as Rotor in a previous episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did the Rotor bit. I liked the Rotor bit. That that robot cop thinks he's human. Sam's the cop's mercy. And the cop's like, you know, he's like picking him up with one hand. He rips yeah, off all neck, Sam's gear. And then, and then he pulls out his Swiss army knife, uh, uh, Wolverine claw. Yeah, he monologues that he's a real human and the police force has hidden his family and friends away from him. As, as his wrists then dislocate and shoot out two guns from his yeah. arms. Like you said, he pops a Wolverine claw from a knuckle and threatens Sam, but tosses him away. Sam tries to call his partner, the younger robot hunter, Gaz, and then runs as the cop fires a missile from a hole in his arm, sprouts guns from his wrists. Sam's weaponless, but he knows Gaz is a spare gun. So he runs, getting shot as he goes, but managing to lose the cop along the way. He finally finds his friend yeah. dead, hanging upside down from a bunch of ceiling cables. He's been predatored. Oh, we're getting who, all the movies who, in. like, Cutie, by the way, killed. Like, Cutie murdered this man. Definitely, or at the very least, she failed. She criminally failed to warn him that there was a robo that the rope that the cyborg cop was in the um in yeah. the office that they were going into, which directly led to his death. And I mean, I definitely am bringing this up because of what happens later, which still on reread Conrad is like. Yeah, deeply disturbing. Like, that's right. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's those were the words I was trying to find. Yeah. Sam is unarmed and his buddy is dead as he's attacked by the cyborg cop bursting through his wall like the Kool-Aid man. He att- <laughs> Sam's oh, attempts yeah! Gonna yeah. rip off my eyes. <laughs> Sam's attempts to fight dirty don't work as he's back in the police. And, and so finally he's back at the police chief's office. And the cop yells at Chief Rickerman, who we'll recall looks like Nixon, to get his family on the line. The cop prepares to kill Sam, maybe by wrist knife, maybe by laser eye. When, whoa, his robot face goes haywire and Cutie the Robo-Meter suddenly incarnates in the middle of his eyes. (laughs) Having a smaller face explode out of your face is really gross. That's right. 
She tells Sam where Gaz's spare blaster is as the cop is blinded by Cutie and makes excuses about his human nature. Pretty solid send up of classic comic book lines when he shouts, <laughs> get out of my face in big blue letters. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's right he pulls out all the wires from his face and is still like I'm, I'm not a human don't worry about I'm it I'm a human I just got a robot face bro oh, don't worry. No, I'm a human don't worry about it don't shoot me Sam shoots the cop sending him yeah. out a window <laughs> and dozens of stories to the ground <laughs> don't shoot me he shoots the cop yeah. <laughs> um, do, don't think Sam enjoys this kind of uh, mindless violence as he picks up the cop's really? fake birthday note. But don't worry, because he definitely does. No, yeah, no, he fucking mindlessly murders everything. It's fine. So Sam, sur- <laughs> epilogue, Sam surveys the damage around the city and reflects this, this victory is bittersweet because... So, according to Cutie, Gaz got himself killed by being too headstrong. Uh, And it seems like with all the damages, the cops aren't going to pay Sam's fee. He arrives home, and both Stogie and Hoagie are alive and very sorry for trying to kill him. It seems mm. like their repair was sort of in in place of the cops paying him. They still have the weird eyes. They still look like they're high as hell. Yes. The apartment is spruced up good as new, and Sam has Hoagie make some coffee. He reflects on his friend Gaz. He's got his ashes on the mantle, sips the coffee, and reads the racing form until he realizes that Hoagie uses Gaz's dang, dang ashes to make the coffee. Damn it, Hoagie. Why does everything have to be a goddamn travesty with you? <laughs> well, so I got to wonder, like, yes, Hoagie originally really dumb. Or is that just him trying to poison his friend because he's still actually evil? Like, he's it's hard for me dumb. to tell now. He's just dumb. Anyway, acknowledge my Big Lebowski reference, damn you. Anyway, oh, that... Um, mm, sorry. <laughs> that's how it goes. We see former police chief Rickerman now running the ice cream truck. But then, Fox... Well, I mean, running the ice cream truck, but doing a, a poor job because he's out of his element. That's right. Uh, yeah, exactly. See, I, 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 see, I, see, I the did The world does not so stop, stop and start at your convenience, Fox. God damn it! <laughs> Speaking of which, on a distant planet, 12 years ago, the fire stopped. <clears throat> as we see figures in enviro suits wander a wasted world. A planet that was a victim of a mass genocide. 20 billion killed. Just one man did it. Sam Slade. As we see the figures shining their flashlights <sighs> over the body of bodies, the big brain, and the two generals from the planet Virtus in the original RoboHunter story. So I know that we're on to a thing now. Does this ever matter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. this is going to be... Okay. This, this will be... This This is. This goes into the third RoboHunter... The third story of the RoboHunter reboot. Yeah, I know. It's after, just... after the one they're teasing here, Escape from Bisley Land in September of this year. Yeah, because I was like... It went from this and then to Escape from Bisley Land, and I'm like... Yeah, okay. We're coming Why back we to get, it. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you're going to tease something, go to that as opposed to like some, I don't know, non-sequitur. Nah, nah, this is, this is what we call in the business a slow burn, Fox. Is that? I call that uh, misdirection, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's what a slow burn is. You know, you don't notice that it's burning. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually... <laughs> what? But speak... <laughs> Speaking of a story that's burning pretty quickly, actually, because it's it's fairly short, let's talk Thrill 5, Dao Demoto. God, 
just not knowing where this shit went. <laughs> Younger days, this one. Yeah, script robot, Myra Hancock, art robot, David, Dave Hine, lettering robot, Eddie Parkhouse, Fox. Hey. I, I, I recapped this whole story saying Dave Oy because that's what the nerve center told me to how, told me how to pronounce it. And I'm, sure. I want to pronounce people's names right. Um, but now that as we're re-recording this, some episodes have played and people have told me that that was in fact a joke. And that he, oh. his name is pronounced Dave Hine the way it's spelled. And oh, Hine D. I would just like to say that I don't appreciate this. Uh, I don't appreciate this quote unquote dry British wit, which is really just <sighs> lying and hoping that you have enough context <laughs> to realize that it's a lie. Fox. I don't. I don't think that it's wit if it's just lying. I don't have the context, so I can't well, figure out that it's a lie. You know. Wait. So okay. So a, a joke. I guess you kind of need context, but I feel like jokes are meant to be funny regardless of their situation. Like you ha- you understand what they're about. Yeah. I mean, uh, 100% I feel like there's sort of a running th- – It's an th- in th- joke. Th- there's a thing that happens in on the internet where like someone who doesn't speak English as their first language draws like a cute dog or, or you know, some cute – like a cute animal or cartoon character or something. Sure. Sure. And then people respond to it in English saying, like, I would kill for this dog or I would die for this character or something. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> Which is a joke because it's supposed to just be like, I like your drawing. And it's elicited in a, in a, in a, a just by looking at it, I have gained a high level of emotional attachment to it. Sure. It's so cute or something. But you get people respond, like, like the artist responding, being like, no, don't hurt yourself or anybody else <laughs> because of my drawing. <laughs> so I get, I get what you're putting down here. And I respect it. So I don't under, so whatever. I'm just saying, don't appre- like, I would like a wink or something when this kind of thing is happening because I don't have This is why emojis were created so that you could put at the Literally. end of your joke a winky face. Give me that give me that semicolon semicolon per, and parentheses, buddy. I need Semicolon them. closed parenthetical. Thank you very much. And I will yeah. have you so anyway. refer to them as their actual name. Yeah. Exotic dancer on the run, Dowd Moto's feeling bad as her spaceship to Venus takes off. Her friend Inga, who's a flight attendant, suggests that she take some sleeping pills. After I, all, she's she just really, do- you know, just- hindsight in this, dude, is, oh, sorry, I mean, Dave Hindsight on this one is 2020. Yeah, she's just dosed the whole cabin with him, you know, oh, why not God. take it yourself? Dow isn't that, um... Dow isn't isn't feeling this and runs to a nearby bathroom where she um, gets herself together and puts on some press on lipstick. She I mean, exits the bathroom. That, just also, just want to say, press on lipstick, kind of a great idea if you can make it work. Yeah, I think it's cool. I don't know. Um, she exits the bathroom just in time to see Inga's representation of a personal rescue unit, which is basically a sleeping bag that tightens into a floating pressurized ball. I guess Inga tosses Dow one just for in case, so you know, keep that in mind going forward. I mean, she does show her that you become a compressed ball, and then somehow comes out of it and then gives her one. So, you know, seems useful, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Mm. An extremely rockabilly-looking lady on trend with the shaved sides and back of her head plays an arcade game and smokes at a bar before revealing that she's Lula, the owner of the station they're currently on. Suddenly a call comes in. And she's got nice butt. That's all I'm going to say right now. Fine. Yeah, suddenly a call comes in. A ship is on its way. The control tower contacts it. And it's Inga. 
But Inga hey. just wants to gossip about Tao being on her ship. Yeah, it's hot goss. That's the hottest, uh, you know, nut stripper in the galaxy. Quadrant. It's so hot that the ship goes shooting right past the station because it turn and while well, it's got to turn out, turn around and make another pass. That'll take an hour, and it's sort of di- hurt by the fact that it seems Inga managed to drug the flight crew as well uh, as the passengers. That's why you don't put opium in everybody's food, you know. I do what I want, buddy. Oh, that's fair. Do what you want. Drug me. The ship lands and Lula's there to greet Dow as Inga's got disciplined for drugging everybody else aboard the ship. Dow isn't looking great. She's having a ton of space sickness for some That's reason. Rude. Inga arrives and she's been fired, but then given a job on this station, it seems. Lula <laughs> I mean, listen, don't let some sleeping pills get in the way of a good friendship. Yeah. Lula confiscates those pills as um, Dow conks out in a restaurant booth. You're working hard now, uh, Inga. Uh, I mean, working hard or (laughs) hardly working? Mostly because everyone's asleep. Yeah, someone's got a case of the Mondays. Dow wakes (laughs) up after sleeping 20 hours to Lula in her performing outfit. They talk about Dow's current work situation and how she'd like to perform at the station here. Dow is um, initially asked questions but quickly agrees to perform tonight. Is it weird? Oh, sorry, please. Lula says to get ready and decides to look into this whole kidnapping business that's in the news. Next time on Dowdomoto, bop till you drop. Man, I like a lady in an oversized t-shirt. I think that it's cute as hell. Yeah, it's fine. Good luck. I'm down with it. Yeah, I like it. I don't know. I like this rockabilly space lady. Oh, I mean, listen. Rockabilly, rockabilly never gets old unless you go racist with it. So then that's when it's like, all right, this is... Can you do better, please? Definitely, yeah. And hey, on the topic of uh, cool space babes, Fox. You mean some ice cold, perhaps even uh, below zero? Perhaps even virtual? Thrill six below zero. (laughs) Listen, if there's anything that I liked more than horn-rimmed glasses, it's literally horns on (laughs) glasses. Absolutely. Script robot John Brosnan, art robot Kev Hopgood, letting robot Glib. So, Ralph Millington chills with a bikini lady on the deck of the house from BoJack Horseman when badass cyber <laughs> Caddy Tanner warps in. I forgot about that. You did. You dropped that in the last one. It is the yeah, BoJack Horseman. It is the boy. It's the house. That house. I, I love that show. If you, okay, just an aside. If you haven't watched it, you should. It's one of the most harrowing television shows I've ever watched in my life. That is a cartoon character. I've yeah, I've watched like the first two and a half seasons or so. It it's it very gets, hard for me to watch as as it, someone who's who's had some who's had to who's had some dealings with depression in my life. It um, it, but, it it goes through it that whole show. The end is. Yeah, it's it's intense, man. It's an intense it's a, show. It's a good show. It is an intense show, more than you'd expect from a cartoon show about talking uh, animals uh, with a with a horse as <laughs> the main yeah. character. <laughs> so um, he explains he's from. So Tanner warps in. He explains he's from the real world. Next to talk to Ralph privately, he explains that he was hired by that rich guy, uh, Mister Gray. Um, from from the previous uh, story, or yeah, he was talking about the rich guy we saw in the ad at the end of the story last week. Lazarus Gray to be a bodyguard for Ralph. I'm very, I'm very. Ha- I know that that this is all backstory. They really do put nipples on this man. Yeah, they flash back and we see Tanner. Um, 
uh, go down to the heavily fortified underground base that Gray owns, where the business owner explains his deal. He basically runs the Matrix, I guess. Yeah. A version of the Matrix where everybody lives their perfect lives and things are great. Sort of like a better than life in Red Dwarf, if you're a nerd like me. Um, I need to get up on my Red Dwarf. Yeah. The whole thing's run by Gabriel, a supercomputer behind a big scary door. Everything has been perfect until now, and that's why they need Tanner. It seems a killer is threatening to murder a bunch of high-profile clients unless Gray pays out. You know, I didn't get the whole Gabriel as being – because – uh, it's not Gabriel who guards the gates of heaven. It's what's his name? Um, uh, St. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I would have understood if it was like Peter as opposed to Gabriel, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I think Gab- it's Gabriel is like the not the sword. He's the voice, right? I think he blows the trumpet. I think yeah. he's who Christopher Walken is in those prophecy movies. <laughs> is that what <laughs> That is possibly the best Gabriel listen. You're going to be Christopher Walken. And then to go back to uh, the Return of the King story from earlier this episode, I believe that um, the devil was played by the guy that plays um, Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, really? Yeah, Viggo Mortensen, I want to say. Whatever. And then Vigo. that same guy was in the movie uh, History of Violence, which was written by John Wagner. I have not. Writes, uh, I'm... Judge Dredd. Have not seen History of Violence. It seems like not it's my fine. thing. It's fine. So anyway, <clears throat> um, it's we've sort of seen an example of these um, virtual reality murders um, already. Um, <laughs> yesterday, a guy named Raul Vazez was killed during a high speed uh, car race on a cliffside. Yeah, it seems that, and it seems like there's a situation where if you die in the simulation, you die for real. I guess you die in the game. You die for real. Yeah, probably not normally, but I guess the killer has overcome some safety overrides. Anyway, Tanner is here because Millington is next on the kill list. (laughs) Tanner has Millington bring out his toys, which seem to be AI characters in his virtual world. There's a sexy sexy wife, maid, butler, secretary, and trainer. All sexy. And and the – oh, yeah. The the butler is a very, uh, you know, mm, I love me me a staunch butler. Yeah, a very um, what's that show, Mister Belvedere type or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mister Belvedere. It's um, true. Tanner goes to question the trainer, Helena. She's wearing a yellow, uh, a green leotard with gelled pink. <sighs> She's um, the cutest with, one. Yeah, She's with the, the cutest pink one. Mullet, matching headband. He talks to her about her life as a toy in this dude's fantasy world. But is so caught up in it that he doesn't notice the bolt, the butler explaining that vi- that these violent delights have violent ends and tosses. tosses. Y'all get it? <laughs> it's like the, the butler side, did it off the side of the uh, of the house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Again, really, it's, it's so, so well acknowledged played. by Westworld reference. Also, anyway, oh. Millington falls to his death, and the world dissolves around Tanner. Grace scolds him. And says that, like, whoever's causing this to happen, it couldn't be an inside job as all of his employees have neural implants that cause them great pain if they try to act against the interests of the company. Whoever is responsible for all this is definitely not an employee of Paradise Now. I don't know why you go Dale so often. I don't know if it's... (laughs) Because Dale Gribble is the voice of anything serious. So you know it's serious. But I, just, I don't know if it's always a, if, if it's always the best choice. I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. 
It's fine. Listen, live your truth, buddy. There's one voice I hate. Dale Gribble is my truth. I'm okay with. Anyway, Tanner's soon back in another world, that of Doris Pringle. He the walks woman a with the horns on the horn glasses. Yeah. He walks a columned hallway full of statues of hunks and then is caught by Doris, a.k.a. <laughs> Empress Juliana. She has some gladiator hunk sees Tanner as well. Oh, no. Hey, listen. Got to go to the arena sometimes and got to got to. You know what I am really sad about with this whole arena scene is that everybody's that got box? a shield and a, a, a sword or spear. But I'm really sad that there's no trident and net. You know, that's my favorite gladiator getup is the net and trident. Yeah, yeah. I'm racking my brain to remember what you call those guys, but all I remember is Mermillo, and those are sword Oh, dudes. I mean, anyway. you call them Myrmidons, baby. Hey, listen, that Spartacus show, not a bad show. Anyway. It's the, not uh, a bad this, show. Mrs. Pringle, I mean Empress Juliana, pretty hilariously is a standard, has a standard housewife head on top of a standard fantasy <laughs> empress body. <laughs> it's a she, standard empress body. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of like uh, like a silken pants and a, and a and a bikini top or and a metal bikini top. She refuses to listen to Tanner's warning and instead sends him to the arena. His opponent is revealed, and it's that same Helena lady from the last guy's psyche. Tanner doesn't understand that you got to reuse assets, you know, no matter how advanced programming. <laughs> like, come on, listen, we're not just gonna create. Uh, like, listen, you if you go into the character creator and do all of it yourself, yeah, we got pre. Sets and we're gonna upsell you on some of those those hair sets, the special dye colors, body I mean, types. Yeah, you know. the, no one's gonna see anybody else's um um world, Fox. Why would you make a new lady every time? Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially five if, if you're fine. Well, well, especially if it's like you know, it's got like a like a, a four point five star review from all of the people using the app, right? Look, if someone wants more than the standard five ladies, then that—that's when you upsell them. You know, yeah, exactly. The weirdo. Just um, buy the season pass, you ding dong. Yeah. Anyways, Tanner tries to like get through to her, but instead they just get in a gladiator fight. Things get weird though when both Air Wolf and Ground Lions are added <laughs> to the mix. I forgot that you did the Air Wolf joke. <laughs> I got these jokes, buddy. An attack helicopter is what I'm trying to say. And indeed, one of the lions goes rogue and kills Empress Juliana. Luckily, she knows who killed her. It was probably her no good husband. Gosh, I really wish my no good husband didn't kill me. And now we're going away. So funny because Dale himself is kind of a no good husband. Um, oh, he is Tanner a no good husband. Well, he's, to... he's a no nothing husband. I'm sorry I brought this up. Um, Tanner <laughs> has failed again, but maybe gotten a clue about who the killer is as he's pulled out of the Matrix again. Greg confirms that they reuse toy designs to save oh, computer God. space. Uh, yeah, Don't be okay. weird about it. You got a girlfriend for God's sake. Stop whoring in on this lady. Tanner yeah. heads out, heads back into the real world to meet with Mr. Pringle, who is unemployed and a computer specialist. So and as hopeful. it turns out, once you pop him, the fun don't stop him. Mm. He arrives at Pringle's, Pringles apartment. Hi, bro. By... I got it. Listen, I'm all about those Pringles jokes. You know what I hate is when you get to the bottom of the can and you got to re- reach your whole arm in there. Oh, to get no, the last that's, ship that's out. where I do a tip and then all of the like dust comes out. So then you just have a, a palm full of broken chips and dust. and You're like, well, what am I going to do with uh, this? So you what? put it into a bowl and then you you just eat the whole fucking. Wait, 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 wait. You do what to the can? 
I turned it upside down and poured it into my hand. Of course! <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry. Look, this is why I paid the big bucks oh, for that engineering degree. Oh, it makes so much degree. sense now. Turn, you get the you turn it you turn it to the side and they because well, there's gravity. Of course, they're oh, no. Listen, listen. Oh, I, god, I went. Fox. I went to to highfalutin college university. The degree course. All and these. Got, all these. All these three quarters. <laughs> Or or three quarters empty cans you of know, Pringles I've thrown away because I couldn't get to the ch- I couldn't get to the chips at the bottom, Fox. I, I really feel like I'm getting gaslit here, but I'm not gonna get let you gaslight me, bro. <laughs> I've been spending years designing mechanisms they could add to the bottom of Pringles cans to get those chips out like a spring. <laughs> no, no, what you actually need is you need those little tiny claw hands. So like yeah. you know the claw ones that you can Ooh, get and you know, it's yeah. like a whole hand? You need a tiny one for like your I like did fingers and stuff. For a while with buying a helper monkey to help me get the chips out. Yeah, but then you gotta pay the helper monkey a stipend, which is really just him eating the chips. He kept eating the chips. chips. Yeah, Yeah, fuck that monkey. Listen, if there's one thing we've learned from future shocks, you gotta return that ape. (laughs) Okay. I remember that one. That was the dread story. Tanner has okay, after meet Mr. Okay, Pringle. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. this is so, dread um, story over here. He arrives at Pringle's apartment and is stopped by the door <laughs> gun, but he just shoots it with his finger. He, he just finger bangs that door gun <laughs> and kicks in Pringle's door. You killed her. But Pringle. I didn't expect the, you never expect the finger bang to come up with these stories. I feel like you were the innovator of, of calling it that for the record. But Pringle oh. swears he didn't kill his wife, and Gray calls Tanner saying another client has been killed in the meantime, so I guess he couldn't have done it. Oh yeah. well. They talk about how Better weird the VR experience. Anyway. Yeah. And then Tanner walks back to his cab, but once he gets there, he's attacked by chain wielding thugs. Tanner easily catches <sighs> I- one's chain and says and sends him flying into the other one. But then his old sergeant and sparring partner, the equally cyber-armed Dolly, shows up, gets the drop on him. But with an Uzi. With an Uzi. Freeze! Man, I love this. This is like the, the Chekhov's gun, you know? You introduce that someone else has got a cyber-arm, that cyber-arm's going off, but it's not the one you think. Mmm, next time, Dolly cries mama. Man, okay. I'm not going to ruin the surprise for everyone because they're going to be yeah, yeah. listening Don't to this. Don't be a jerk here, buddy. I'm not. <clears throat> well, no, no. That so it's not the it's not the cyberarm bit. It's the chains. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very excited for the because I remember I remember this and being like, yeah, people have chained him before. It's not a good move. <laughs> well, yeah, because like he's got a cyberarm that he can use to block the chain. It's made of metal. He doesn't care. You know, well, the guy fought in like what. You know the the Crone Wars or the yeah, the and he's a veteran of the Gene Wars. He's tough. Yeah, there you know? we go. Like, don't he's like the guy you don't go after. I feel like this is so this is crony one hundred and one. You know, bro, you'd never make it as a goon if you don't try to pudge above your weight class. You know, that's exactly. I mean, but that's the thing. I don't want to just stay a goon. I want to class up into like at least I don't know bouncer. Mm, yeah, underboss, something like that. Yeah, you know. Oh, listen, uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have my own sewer lair that I eventually get eaten by a sewer monster in because I'm in this fucking below zero timeline. Yeah, 
Only way I'm going to do that is not by being some goon who just whips chains around. I have to have machinations. Absolutely. Anyway. I'm with you. I know. That's why anyway, I love yeah, you. Fun, fun story here below zero. Enjoyed it. <sighs> I, now- I, I love so it, it, this is just a brief aside I yeah. love I love that yes of course we're re-recording 240 I love it more because I get to relive like another Zero comic again you know yeah I know we've reached the end of it in our recording so it is sort it's, of uh, passed it's, it's, on like dust in the wind this this is one of those where I feel like a Zero collection needs to get made I'll come on for I'd that. love it yeah definitely because yeah. that's it is it is such a quality comic anyway I know I, Just I a know. fun little pump st- uh, pulp story, you know? Yeah, but it's... Uh, yeah. It, well, no. I think in the truest sense of pulp, you're right. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm not it's saying so that good. to say it's bad. I'm saying that it's No, like, exactly. Know. Well, I don't... I, I mean, people... I'd like... Yeah, we're not in like 19... You know, 26 right now, right? Pulp stories being shit. Pulp is good. Pulp is... Uh, mm, mm, it's kind tasty, of, you know... Tasty you schlock. Know. And I, I feel like we'll t- we do we we have talked about this more as time goes by, but you kind of got to have you know fun light stories to counterbalance like crazy weird stories. Or oh god, Speak- and there's speaking none. Of, speaking of which, <laughs> none weirder and more nude. <laughs> Thrill seven indigo prime. I mean, we were real close to the D shot in this one. Yeah. Well, not yet. Or no, I guess we're, we are close to it. Yeah, you're right. Right in this opening scene. Script robot John Smith, art robot Chris Weston, letting robots Tom Frame and Mary Green. Start of killing time. Fox. God, hindsight. Fuck. Serious question. Are you familiar with Jack the Ripper? Uh, so to hearken back to what I recall when we first started um, recording this was I had just watched the Johnny Depp film about from Jack hell. The Ripper. Yeah. Yeah. From hell. Um, when we just started doing this. So I, I was refamiliarized. I, I, so I know the guy who bought like a cloth that he then ended up getting gene uh, analysis, whatever. I'm not a, I'm not a Ripper fanatic or anything like that. To me, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's the past. There's, you know, there's not going to be, in answer the way that anything satiating would come out of it. Yeah. Um, however, I'll, I'll add a caveat to all of this. My favorite incarnation of Jack the Ripper is mm-hmm. from a game called Shadow Man. Are you familiar with that game, Conrad? I remember it a little bit. It that's, is, that's like an early Xbox game or something like that. I, right? It was it was a Dreamcast game first. Oh, my God. I know. And yeah, go back and play it. And it's not easy to do it. But a lot of like the game. So I, I would say it's rose tinted glasses in some way. I am sure that all of the, the way that you would play it would be dated. But the way that the game starts is it starts mm-hmm. with um, one of the diary entries that they, quote, found from Jack the Ripper, right? Um, not one of the... <clears throat> it, it Well, it might have been sure. one of yeah, the letters. Yeah, don't worry about it too much. No, anyway, yeah. um, it, it, I, I think it was one of the diary entries they found under the floorboards of this guy's house or whatever. Um, and it's so well done in the VO, and the guy who is playing Jack the Ripper is, like, under in the sewers underneath them he's this crazy guy trying to contact the devil and then the devil shows up and he's like listen bro i'm the devil we are legion and you're about to be conscripted into my new place we're going to go to hell 
where I'm from, and we're going to create a giant factory where we harvest souls and uh, basically try to bring hell on Earth. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm into this game. So that's my favorite incarnation of Jack the Ripper is one of the four uh, bosses before you get to fight the devil who is just a giant poop log that flies around and you shoot it with a gun. Nice. Very anticlimactic video game, but Jack the Ripper was one of the better fights. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I've made it to Jack the Ripper. I get I get stuck on a on a Megara and then um, Theseus and uh, and the Minotaur are pretty tough also. Um, that was clear for takeoff for me, man. I don't know what you're talking joke. about. Um, anyway, uh, uh, I haven't got anyway. I want to say that we're talking briefly about Jack the Ripper here in Killing Time, That's and that true. makes this a podcast because once you've talked about Jack, because all podcasts <laughs> have to talk about Jack the Ripper. Have to talk about it once. Eventually, you know. Because they're all we're we're all true. We all turn it. Every podcast is at least a little a true a true crime podcast. That's the law. Did they just deposit him as a secret agent, a part of the Esper network, into the past so that we could kill several different people that would have actually been worse than any dictatorship you ever knew? <sighs> Whoa! Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't. I don't remember a ton of it. I gotta say, like I in my recap, I said maybe I'd, I'd I'd reread from hell. But honestly, these stories don't actually do a ton. Like you know, Jack Ripper's. It in doesn't it, really but deal. With it doesn't it that deal much. with a ton of Dripper lore, so don't worry about it too much. No, um, I mean they they definitely drop like some of the Ripper letters in. Yeah, and and I I believe he was one of the Ripper suspects later. I don't know about Cobra. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real person, but um, really, I don't. I don't know. I want to say, oh, I'm not saying one way or another. Um, the story starts with a mustachioed man taking off his clothes as a woman in stockings and undergarments speaks seductively. She's got some, he's got something behind his back. It's a knife. Oh, murder. Mm, what you say? But- oh, well, you only knifed well. Well, I bet you did. But her cries are lost in the smoky streets of London. Later, a newsboy sells broadsheet Jack the Ripper strikes again as two figures, Winwood and Cord of Indigo Prime, warp into the scene. These dudes are scenesters, so they fix problems in reality. We saw, we've seen them before doing that in Prague's uh, 680 and 681. And they get real handsy with people. Is, yeah. is on reread they just they just touch everyone real into like melding with their flesh body and mind yeah, they don't care um they seem to know who the rippers it is and that his current victim is mary jane kelly the last canonical jack uh, uh ripper victim apparently a miss boyd will be his worst murder but i'll tell you that there's no boyd's linked to the ripper in our reality and winwood says it hasn't happened yet the pair knock on the door of Professor Vernon Seward and are let in by an Asian butler. Uh, Winwood loves the prof's collection of uh, knickknacks from around the world. Well, the prof arrives and wants to know who the devil they are. Cord steps in here, drops a mind whammy on Seward by just reaching into his brain and like messing with his memories a little I bit. I mean, so- melds his entire hand into the side of his face. Yeah. It's real good and gross. Suddenly, they're old friends and welcome dinner guests. There's then a page of headshots with names and faces of the 11 people at the dinner, including our heroes, who are colored in, like, 
blues and oranges while the contemporary folks are colored in like orange in or they're color they're colored in blue and purple and the contemporary folks are colored in oranges and browns yeah it's one of the things that i recall us talking about when we first recorded um was just the stark contrast of colors yeah right? like i i really it is one of the most striking things about the comic as you read it and it it what i like is that it actually becomes more subdued as you go into it this comic um like in the next couple pages they they do it a little less but they always retain their their kind of purple blue hue they're like indigo hue good 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 shout absolutely Mm -hmm. um so there's the professor dr culver aka the ripper also a Miss Boyd, which is concerning from what we've heard. And I should say that, that uh, I, I ended up clipping this page for later use so I could identify who these characters are. I mean, you need to put like like a, like get a, an artist's profile of us doing something, but get it in the same style. Sure. <laughs> and the put it in. Yeah, definitely. Dramatis Personae. Um the party starts with idle conversation about the Ripper murders. Medical student Donald Mayberry says the Ripper might be a religious maniac, while Seward's daughter Mary, a spiritualist, says they might be more demonic. And this starts what seems to be an old argument about the nature of science versus the spiritual. But enough of this. What has the professor created? What yeah. has science wrought at this dinner party? What box? has he had? <laughs> They retired to the smoking room with a little mm. title card appearing saying A Revelation where there is a chicken under a glass dome. Oh, I forgot that they do like title cards for the start of each scene. Yeah, I love it's got it. a very, again, Victorian feel to it, I guess. Yeah, um, exactly. It's it's almost like an old black and white film in that way, right? Yeah, yeah, of that of of that ilk as well. Um the prof- uh, Professor Seward wanted to solve the age-old question, so he flips a switch, and through a pretty terrifying process, the chicken grows younger and younger and then returns to an egg, solving the age-old question of the chicken and the egg pretty solidly. I mean, I don't know if it does that, but yeah, sure. Time stuff! Next time! <laughs> the departure! Ooh, I'm really excited for Indigo Prime, buddy! More like the departure, Ed. Mm, what you say? As I shoot uh, a guy who stabbed the back of everybody. Oh, man, I, I got nothing here. I, I It sucks because I feel like our original recording, I think that I was a little bit less excited about this. Right, because you had you had said like, "Hey, listen, there's a lot of words coming in on this yeah, one." Yeah, I, I remember. I might actually say this in our net in the next episode that's going to come out about this, where you say you like this, and I say I'm glad because yeah. there's a lot of words in, it and I was nervous that you might not dig it. <laughs> yeah, no, and so like I because I recall us talking about that you know the the colors, the characters, things like this, but you know it's just a one off or it's a um, just one, one part prog of this episode. Yeah, one yeah. prog of the month. Where this goes, obviously, I'm I'm somewhat tainted by that. So it it is exciting to me to see the beginning again, especially like I'm not gonna lie, Doctor Culver just being straight, really nude, and then murdering somebody. It's just really gross. Yeah, it's a um, really striking opening to the uh, to the <coughs> to the comic, both in terms of the content, in terms of um like that. There's a that there's a naked well, guy doing it, which is unusual. 
in uh, in 2000 AD. Well, I, and just to jump you into this like a murderous setting, I guess. I mean, what what resonated with me is violence in the beginning, violence in the end. If that makes mm, sense, right? Like, yeah. Um, it definitely bookends this in a way that coming back to it really helps with. I actually, I very much suggest, because this is going to come out, um, obviously, uh, you're going to listen to me not having heard this after this episode, but I, yeah. I would very much suggest anyone who's reading or, or listening right now to go back and see if they can um, grab Killing Time uh, and kind of go through it as we do it, because it, like... It is it is a very interesting way in which uh, so there's so many parts of this and and I'm saying this because it's not going to get my top but not because it doesn't deserve it anyway yeah it, it slices up all of the frames within each page in a way that harkens back to an older comic book style hmm. and they are going back to an older time yeah right? interesting. And, like, while there are some highly visual portions of this, right, that's very hybridized, there's also quite a bit of text that comes with that. Not even in this episode. I Like, obviously, in future ones, it's the same thing. Like, they they make everything very tight and contracted because it is, quote, an older time. I feel like, like, it, it is hard for me to uh, to say that that's the intention. It's the, the one that I feel. But going back and, and reading through it the way that I did, I made a special note to bring this up. It's like, all of, all of the coloring is fantastic and mm-hmm. on key, right? Um, the fact that it's called Indigo Prime and your main character's Indigo and everything else is in basically the most disgusting blood and pus <laughs> colors that they can find, right? Like everything else looks gross except for them, but they are acting they are acting the most gross. The the story itself, where it goes, which is off the rails. Whoa! Um, uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, it, it, it it's enjoyable to have like it, it's weird that we lose the episode but then we gain or at least for me i i gain a little bit of of providence in terms of like what's gonna yeah. happen it, it it is it is such a worthwhile thing to read and i didn't know that when we first recorded this and i wanted to kind of say that before we continued and uh man conrad like I had no idea what was coming, and I, I very much appreciate you, because uh, I recall you saying this, like, prefacing me for it, like, hey, like, give it a shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I'll say, like, I feel like both times I, I re- I've read Indigo Prime, I've known that it's supposed to be a big deal, basically. Um, but I think even when, the, even then on my first read-through, I skipped through things, I didn't read things very closely and stuff. And so my goal, and I hope, and and I hope folks think that I I I do a decent job of it. But my goal for this read through is to try to really pay attention to things and like you know like really kind of get deep into the into this story and stuff like that. I'm really like I think it's fun to look at it again. It's definitely a favorite of mine, and I think of a lot of people's. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to uh, to get a chance to talk about it again. And so, and I hope everybody is looking forward to us getting weird with Indigo Prime I, here. I think that you do a fantastic job of recapping. Oh, thanks, buddy. I think, I think that, um, especially for this, because I, again, I forget all sorts of shit, Conrad. If it's not my job, if it's not my wife, it's not my life. Forgetting is easy for me, but I still remember you 
priming me for this comic. Well, yeah, and because I, I like well, and you know, but that's but that's my thing is that like I like who would I listen to other than my host? Sure, but I think I feel that's like just, I feel it, like it goes now I try to I try to warn you ahead of time when there's words. <laughs> ever since well, um, uh, ever since ever since the horn god got a bottom thrill because it had a wordy section. I'm like, hey, listen. Buddy. Like, there's going to be some reading coming up, but I want you to give it a shot, you know? I, again, I, you know, I, listen, I, I just, I think that the comic books yeah. are equal parts of words and equal parts color and equal parts me looking at things. And sure. if those things are in perfect balance with each other, I understand what's going on, right? This one, everything was tight, like constrained, right? Mm. Um, and and especially when you look at uh uh like the the cover for seven thirty five, it's all space. Like it's given so much space, and it's given so much like grotesque human fleshy look to the whole fucking thing. Yeah. And then you get into it, and it's so constrained, and it's so tight, and and you don't even know that you're going to go where you're going to go yet. You know what I mean? Like where you are in a constrained environment, mm-hmm. and it and it retains that, and it retains this kind of hey, you know, we're in the past. We're gonna have placards. We're going to have like you know, it's just there's craft that's there that I didn't realize, but my brain did, and that's why you should listen to the other episodes after this one comes out because <laughs> I think that's it's think a very worthwhile journey. It's just uh, I'm sad that. You know, kind of my original take wasn't here, which I'm sure I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about this one. Well, you know, uh, I always like I mean, I think it is it is the most fun when we get sort of, yeah, your 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 unsullied um, takes and stuff. I mean, that's very much the point of the show and stuff like that. Exactly. So I, I apologize to the listeners because it, it was my bad on losing that, but also it's it nah. it's been it's been such a consummate pleasure to revisit the yeah. beginning because it no it, problem at all. And it brought it like, around. Yeah, and we didn't miss to and like you know I'm glad that it's just this first chapter of Indigo Prime as opposed mm. to some of the crazier stuff that's coming up. Ooh, ooh, lovely. You know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, all I right. Do. <laughs> so with ooh. that, Fox. We've reached the end of the progs f- of, of of our discussion of the thrills of the progs of of us uh, seven thirty two to seven thirty five, and with well, that, Jason I have one Pikes. question for you, buddy. Oh no! Which is, what are your top and bottom thrills? I must know. Ah oh, man. So I'm, I I hope that this is in line with my previous because I this is what I feel the strongest about. Mean machine is top. Meme Machine nice. is top. It has to be. It's so funny from the tear to the Bach that stopped time to Paw Angel jumping out of a fucking time machine guns blazing, right? Like, <laughs> I, like, I don't know. It's just there is something about the Angel Gang where I'm not saying that the Angel Gang is the 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 Joker of Judge Dredd, but I do feel it gets close in terms of like the unhinged madness you know mm. what I mean? I think the the best antithesis to Judge Dredd is probably unhinged madness tinged with like communism in some way. <laughs> I'm not Maybe. sure. I don't I don't know what it is, but the Angel Gang like when it's just so fun to be 
with the angel gang i mean at least for me yeah um and and like the art the writing and and just how the story progresses like it's just it's so fun it was so enjoyable and i i want to just um give special mention in terms of of that regard to below zero being a fucking just a fun slide um and and of course, Judge Dredd for doing Yeoman's work, like bringing to a close uh, as an epilogue the uh, um, uh, Necropolis. Saga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, bringing in Judge Silver for yeah. Well, because like you a it, final like, cap. Well, because no one, no one was necessarily asking for it, or no one. I don't even. They didn't really build it up. It was just like, oh, who knows what happened to him? But there's so many who knows that happens in Judge Shred where that felt like the end cap epilogue. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I felt like it was done well. Um, but again, just you know, I, I just love Mean Machine. He's he is he is the most zany, stupid character. Uh, and for Bottom Man, it's Rogue Trooper. It just mm-hmm. is. Uh, I'm not super into it uh, in terms of just that. Like, I, I know where it goes, obviously, at this point, but I, I'm fairly certain that I gave it the the bottom at this. Or I gave it to um, uh, Robo Hunter, both of which deserve it. And so, <laughs> to me, they're, they're interchangeable. You know what? In fact, I won't give it to Rogue Trooper because I didn't know where they were going to go. And I like a vacuum cleaner that that sucks up a man into the heavens. Uh, man, but but Cutie does erupt through a man's face. And that was kind of funny. But I have to do it in context of the thing. You know what? I, I am giving it to Robo Hunter. Fuck Robo Hunter. I didn't have okay. a good time with it. I don't want it to come back. And I know that it does. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so I mean, that's they where both I am. do for the record. So yeah. That's, yeah, I know. That's where I am. So, Conrad, tell me. Mm. In retrospect, by twice top and bottom. This uh, is our bottom second chance. I'll, yeah, bottom. I'll happily I'll join you with Robo Hunter. Um, yeah, it's not good. Of the reboots, I would say like um, Harlem Heroes on the bottom, then Robo Hunter, then Rogue Trooper. I guess in terms yeah. of ascending quality, but <laughs> Robo Hunter definitely worse. Not great. Don't like it. Um, top actually. Um, eh. I Do think it. I might actually join you, actually. Yeah, <gasps> get this. Solidarity! Yeah, solidarity with this full full month of uh, the Mean Machine story. God, it's so good. This is really the month that it's in because it was only sort of one issue last week and it'll only be one issue next week. So this is a big <sighs> chunk of it. And, and it just, gets uh, so stupid and so good as soon as he box yeah. him through the page, right? Definitely. I love... I actually really like um, what you were saying about um, Mean Machine being like a dark, a, 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 the antithesis of Dread because he's yeah. so weird and chaotic, right? That um, he really well, does provide passion, a counterpoint, right? Yeah, like and, he and just it, wants to balk and feel, and and well, and this is the thing: you could say that he just wants to hurt people. What is the first thing he does? He wants to go back in time to see his family. Yeah, well, I mean, Me Machine's very reactive. You know, most of the time when he balks somebody, the first thing he says is like, "Is that so?" Because someone said something <laughs> to like get his dander up or whatever. He's just an emotional person, whereas Judge Shred is devoid of that, other than anger. Exactly. 
And he's so, again, just furthers a course of chaos, whereas Dread is sort of the ultimate um, force of order. You know, Me Machine me Machine's very much the chaotic neutral to Dread's lawful neutral. But I, but I, I don't say. think that, that he's doing it on purpose to just be a chaos. He's just doing a feeling. Excuse me. He's. Well, yeah. He's having feelings and then acting on them as opposed to. Yeah, I mean, I will say them. Well, uh, no, I, I no. Feel- that this is me agreeing with you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think Me Machine is different than um, a D and D character that goes chaotic, oh, yeah. neutral, and just yeah. uses it to shout about pancakes or something like that. Uh, that's, you know, well, okay, you don't have to. I've, I've done the recipe for pancakes bit before. He's very much just like does what comes to him. And a lot of – and, you know, responds to stimulus in the main way he responds to stimulus yeah. is by headbutting it. I, you know? So that that I actually think is a good way to look at it because he, he – Judge Dredd responds to stimulus by saying, how do I apply law? Whereas I don't know what the fuck Mean Machine does to apply stimulus, but I know how he applies stimulus. No, no. <laughs> so no, they, yeah, both, well, stim- they both do it the same him, you know? way, but they do it for different reasons. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Cool. Good times. Oh, man. Another podcast done for the second time. Very exciting. Um, <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah, and I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. The 2080 forums are our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Zane Kipmiller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, please check out uh, our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD and the Meg, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. Then come back next time as we'll finish up with Mean Machine. Dread deals with firepower, teddy bears, garbage, and watchdogs. <laughs> Friday makes some new friends. We'll reach the title in Indigo Prime. Night Zero gets trippy, and Bix Barton returns. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. I'm sorry Sunday I did not